this is the problem. This is why Israel becomes this Jewish, this anti-Semitism thing. Yeah. And why I've been accused of being an anti-Semite despite just not being a Zionist. Well, that's where, the problem. Here's where nuance comes in, and I know. Yeah, it's, I know. I'm so unpopular with my with my focus on nuance. But there's a difference between being critical of Israel and being anti-Israel. Exactly. Being critical of Palestinians and being anti-Palestinians. Exactly. There's a difference. You can be critical of everything. You can be critical of the United States and not be anti-American. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe say listen to it. <laughs> well, this is going to be great because we are in a loud restaurant. We are in a loud, we are in, in just so that we can do that, we are in the Little Goat Diner. It is on uh, the Southport off, Corridor. Just, yeah, just off of Southport Avenue here in Chicago, Illinois. And just about uh, a little less than a year ago, uh, we were doing the same thing where I had come to Chicago and we went to a diner and we recorded the podcast, ran into Jonathan Pitts randomly. You ran into like three people? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, that, that trip I ran into like six. But um, one of the things that uh, that I wanted to talk about here in the diner, it's so nice to see David Himmel in person. Yeah, it's good. It's been a long time. It doesn't, it doesn't feel weird though. Well, that's because we, we talk every we talk single day. every <laughs> single week on FaceTime or Zoom. So yeah, that's it's you know, but but yeah, yeah, it's it's nice because we're not surprised by how poorly we're both aging over these last exactly. year. I you know, like, see, oh, I, you look like hammered rat shit. No, see, it's like a a slow progression. See, I look every day. good. I you know, I mean, you haven't said it, but I know I don't fucking look you good. You look good. I look okay. You look great. I look okay. You look fine. You look tired. That's I do the look best. tired. That's I'm, the I'm a little best tired. You got is you look tired. But what I wanted to talk about, David, because uh, I know both of us have had an interesting year. The last time we sat in a diner together and we recorded, I came to Chicago because I didn't know what else to fucking do. Yeah. I was, uh, I was living above my mother's bedroom in a tiny little room. Uh, yeah, you were still at your parents' house. That's I was right. Still at my parents' yeah. house. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no idea. My optimism. You and I talked about how my optimism was just kind of gone. Were you uh, working yet? No, I was. I you know. I, I, when did you move to Wichita? September. So, so basically, two months in. Okay, two and a half months, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And then uh, what? What I can say about the beginning of. The year, you know, November was, I didn't know why I came to Chicago, but I came. I didn't really tell any, I mean, you were maybe one of three people I told I was even coming. So yeah. I got a lot of people pissed at me that you were in Chicago and you didn't let me know. It's like, oh, fuck off. Whatever. But I mean, I just needed, I just need to have some gravity. I just needed to have some, a touchstone, something. What I can say is that when I got back, that was sort of the beginning of what I will call done getting up off of his ass um, because very shortly after there I got uh, a job it's not a job that I'm like thrilled with it's not very hard it's, it's not job, very though. exciting but it is 
exactly that. It's a good job. It pays. I, you know, I got an apartment um, shortly thereafter, and have been and that. You know, and so what I want to talk about, and, and one of the things that I know you did this year that was kind of a transformative thing for you is that you went to Israel. We've talked about that. Yeah. But what I wanted to talk about is, all right, it's been a year, almost a year that we've been sitting across. With, what? It, it, you know, it's the, it's the, what a difference a year makes. So what difference has the year made? I'm taking a look at where you were at in November of 2022. Is that right? Yeah, 22. And now we're in October of 2023. What? How do you see that year changing? Because what? before we get into it, I will tell you from my end, one of the things that, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm now officially convinced I've always kind of had a suspicion, yeah. but I'm officially convinced that I'm not quite human in that. Um, I remember, I remember Jarrett Keene made the comment when, when I you know, let him know that I was getting a divorce and why. Um, he said, why aren't you in a fetal position with a gun in your mouth? And my answer was, I don't have a gun. Yeah. And, and, and. But one of the things I can say is I can say a year a year later from this last trip, I fucking heal emotionally like goddamn Wolverine. Because you do. I mean, I'm good. I mean, one of the things I realized is like, okay, in this year, a lot of the lots happened in this year, not too much for me personally, because I've really spent a lot of time by myself. Yeah. You know, I mean, my, my routine in Wichita, because there's fuck all to do in Wichita, and I don't want to make friends in Wichita because I don't, for the most part, find them very interesting. But you've made friends. I mean, you've got people that I you mean, enjoy. I've got, people, I've got people I enjoy, but I don't, I don't have a social life. I don't go anyplace. There's no, I don't go hang out with bars or do a trivia night or whatever with anybody. Yeah. I certainly have no interest in dating. So Do they have trivia nights in Wichita? I don't know. You should and I don't. Out. I don't want to. That's it. I just I how smart you. I kind of like who's this guy I, who knows everything. I don't want to be that guy in Wichita. I just I, what my routine is. I get up in the morning. I go work out. I go to work. I come home. I work out again. If 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 it's a dialysis day, I pick my dad up, take him home, make sure he's fat, talk to mom for a little while, head back home, and then I spend the evening in my sort of amazing loft apartment by myself. Yeah, I either watch TV. Or I read, or I write, um, and any one of those three things will be accompanied by drinking. Yeah, not every night. I don't drink every night, but you know, it's like, all right, I'm going to have some rye, I'm going to have some beer. It's like this is a kind of a staple. And it's like, all right, yeah. that's cool. Um, and then I go to bed and I wake up and I do the same thing. But what I can say is that I I can say that I genuinely don't have any animus towards Dana, which I couldn't have said the last. Oh. Year. Well, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I mean, yeah. I'm still disappointed that the marriage failed. I'm disappointed that she lied to me for two and a half years. Yeah. A lot of that is still there, the disappointment. But I'm not angry. There was a point last year where I didn't know if I wished her ill or well. Or it's like, I don't wish her ill, but I don't wish her well. I wish her well now. I don't have any... Yeah, that's... I, I feel like that's... I feel like that's something that you... You 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 do because you you're supposed to. No, no, it's actually, the polite thing to no, do. No, the thing is, it's not about it's okay no, to don't. not wish her anything. I, no, I do wish her well, and I, okay. I. The thing is, I thought a lot about this question while I was driving because it's a 12-hour drive from Wichita, yeah. and so I drove yesterday, and 
while I'm in the car. That's one of the things I love about road trips is it's sort of like being in my apartment, but it's really tiny. But it's all moving. And I'm moving 70 miles an hour and I don't have a place to go and I can't get up to pee. I have to stop and pee. But it does give me that real time to reflect. Yeah. And, and I thought about that question and I thought, am, am, is this me just projecting? But the, the fact is, I don't ever want to see her again. Yeah. But I don't wish her ill. I, 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 I hope, I really hope she gets out of whatever this fucked up lifestyle she's in. I hope she succeeds. I hope she does well in life. I really don't have any ill will. Yeah. I can't say that I, I, I can still say that, yeah, do I regret marrying her? Absolutely I do. In fact, I think I have two big regrets in my whole life. In 57 years, two regrets. One was that I let my Stretch Armstrong pop and put resin all over the the cassette tapes that I made of my grandpa Jade playing characters. Yeah. So those were gone forever. I regret that. And I regret marrying her. Yeah. But other than that, I don't have a whole lot of regrets, which is fine. That's good. So I can say that this year has been a strange healing year. I know that, uh, you know, you and I have talked about being self-destructive in the, the wake of tragedy. If the worst thing I did that was self-destructive is that I started smoking again. I drank a bit more than I used, used to. Yeah. And I gained 30 pounds. I, you know, in, in, in the leaving Las Vegas Nicolas Cage thing, <laughs> that ain't too bad. No. That's not too shabby. No, that's good. Um, and I've now lost 12 of those pounds, you know, because I'm, I'm getting back on it. So I'm, 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 I'm definitely on the mend. I'm feeling better about life. I have visions for the future. I'm, so that's where I'm at. How's the year treated you? The year has been strange and challenging. Um, things got very weird at work things just got stressful and things I'm looking at it now and I didn't realize it at the time but I think as I'm this year has felt like I've like my car has been driving down like we're going to stick with the, the road trip sure. analogy because what's great about road trips versus sitting in your apartment and being alone is and here's our food yeah Thank you. Here at the Little Goat Diner. All right. I have just bacon. He has his Spanish omelet. There it is. And all right. Uh, just a little more coffee would be great. Thank you. The thing is, is like when you're stuck on a problem, if you're like working, if you're writing something, you know, it helps to like step outside and go for a walk. It kind of like distracts your mind to let it think freely. Yeah. That's what the road trip does is you're still alone. But you've got other things going on. You've got your speedometer you have to pay attention to, your gas, your bladder, your all this all this stuff. So it lets your mind it gives your mind a break to just kind of like stretch and get some elbow room to think freely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this year I I'm realizing now has felt like my car's been barreling down the highway at a high speed, at a dangerously high speed. But I'm not driving. I have somehow managed to lock myself in my trunk. <laughs> And the car's just going, and I am locked in the trunk in the darkness, curled up in a ball, in this kind of like sensory deprivation thing, just going. And now, I have—I don't know if I figured out how to like open the trunk, and I'm like, the car stopped, and I've opened the trunk, and I'm climbing out, or I'm climbing through like the back seat to get back into the driver's seat. Yeah. I don't know yet. Yeah. 
but I've recognized that the car has been driving and nobody's at the wheel. Yeah, and yeah. I am just insulated from all that is happening. So you're kind of, you're, you're, it's a variation of where I was at last year. Where it's like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? What am I doing with my life? What 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 does my future hold? Yes. Um, and the Israel thing is interesting because we know that I was struggling with going there. Yeah, yeah, you didn't want to go. I have very complicated a very complicated relationship with my religion. Yep. Um, in large part because of the way that the religion approaches Israel. Growing up, there was this sense of. And you know this is this is my my emotional truth, perhaps. <laughs> but there's a sense of you're either a Zionist or you're an anti-Semite. Yeah. So many of the prayers in Hebrew or in in, in like temples you grow up are about Israel. Yeah. They're not even about God or the human experience. I mean, there are those, of course, but a lot of it's just about fucking Israel. I didn't care about Israel. You know, like, everyone's a citizen of Israel if you're a Jew. That doesn't make sense. Can I go over there and vote just because I had my bar mitzvah and don't have a turtleneck on my dick? No. That's an absurd way to vote. Um, but I also, you know, didn't know anything about Israel. Yeah. In the real world. Like, I knew what I had been taught. I knew what I had read. I knew what I had formed my opinions of. But you'd never actually touched soil. I never touched soil. I had my issues with the government... So I go to Israel, and it's a lot different than I thought it was going to be, which is good. Is Israel flawed? Yep. I got big issues with it still. Yeah. But is it a seething cesspool of Zionists and Palestinian racists? And no, no. of course it's not. So good for me for being a grown-up. Get out of my teenage pouty little shitty head about, I don't want to go to Israel. Yeah. Great. Good job, David. You acted like a 44-year-old adult. Way to go, buddy. So now we have this war. We have a war. Yeah, it's a full-out war. There's no... And it's very strange to watch it... Well, it's not strange to watch it play out, but it's interesting to watch it play out. Having just been there, the day we left, the front-page story in the newspaper was that... I'm, I don't remember if it was Hamas... I think it was. But rockets were launched from Gaza over to the Israel side. But they didn't make it. They went like 50 yards mm-hmm. and then like fell down yeah. and didn't explode. Like it was a total botched attack. But that was in June, the day we left, which is like, okay, shit's happening. Shit is stirring up. And now here we are, you know, three, four months later, and there's an all-out really serious, ugly war. Yeah, and, and you have... Again, with that high school perspective, that teenage perspective, you have people who, sort of like a WWE Raw or a fucking Chiefs game, are so inculcated with their own worldview based on what they've read, what they don't know, what's been told to them, what their friends say. You have people praising the terrorist attack. And people praising the all-out fucking scorched earth, let's just blow everything up in Gaza thing that Israel's doing, yep. and not really thinking through it. And it's a real, I mean, uh, uh, David Fake, who I'm staying with this time, um, he's Jewish, 
And uh, one of the things he told me last night was that he had, in the last three days, unfriended and blocked almost 100 people. Wow. Because of their stance on the terrorist attack of Hamas. And, uh, I mean, you know, he's having a really... He's, see, the thing about it is, unlike you, he actually has family there right now. I mean, yeah. one of his nephews is a first responder. So, wow. I mean, they're fucking in with shit. And so he's having a hard time sort of squaring that circle. Yeah, what's... What's, what's different about, the, about your perspective? Right? That's what I'm curious about is... I know what they're talking about. Yeah. I know the places. You know, I know... And we weren't in Gaza, but... Um, we drove through Palestinian checkpoints. Yeah. Had to do that to get to Bethlehem. Or uh, Nazareth, excuse me. Um, yeah, the perspective is... I understand it a little bit more, and I'm more forgiving of... <laughs> this sounds weird, especially with what I'm about to follow it up with, but I'm more forgiving of Israel. That said, this is the problem with Israel. First of all, all of this problem, this Middle East, like the Middle East problem, exists because of... <laughs> yeah, because Israel was given statehood and the Palestinian land was taken away and they were not given fair fair land, you know, like the deal wasn't fair where there were more fair deals, they rejected them so like this has been a problem since for a very long time it's the UN's fault, it's Britain's fault it's a colonial issue uh, or colonization issue um, should there be two should there be a Jewish state? Yes, should there be a Palestinian state? Yes, should they live peacefully? God, I hope so is it ever going to happen? Doubtful. Because both sides have fucked it up every step of the way, each and every single time. I have a theory, because when this happened, and you and I have talked about this, I don't give a shit about Israel. It doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form. It's just a thing, right? It's just, you know, and I see, I see this fight between the Palestinians and the Israelites as being, I mean, this is 2,000 fucking years old. This has been, this has been a hateful... We want to kill you. We want to, you know, we want to genocide your people since Abraham slept with a fucking slave girl. I mean, this Man. has been going on forever. So to assume that it happened, that this hatred, this animus came in 1948 is erroneous. It's been going on forever. On the other hand, kind of sort of, but I mean, you know, but on the other hand, I've really, I, because of this, I have taken an interest and in, read some things like when I, I got into a discussion it wasn't an argument because I wasn't going to argue with this woman, but I got in a discussion in Kansas uh, with this woman. She was holding court in a bar about Israel, you know, being an occupier of Gaza. And I went, they haven't been in Gaza since 2004. But they control Gaza. Well, they control the, they control they control the border. And they control all of the services that go in and out and the military that's the border yeah it's it's a very strange situation it's a, it's a very weird situation they don't govern it but they handle all the services but, for it but, so but they what, and that's one of the things i would i would say that at least i i i, I didn't put it in one of my um uh six things but i listened while i was on the road listened to the barry weiss honestly interview with condoleezza rice yeah and what i really thought was interesting about her, you know, because obviously Condoleezza Rice was on the wrong side of a war, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, that I had some issues with in 
the early aughts. About one of the things that I, and she said it, and then last night before I went to bed, um, I actually did a little bit of research on it. And it, it, it bears out is that Israel and Palestine have been very close a number of times to actually creating the two-state solution to actually finding an equitable thing. And every single time what botches the deal is Iran. Yeah. Iran is paying off Hamas. Hamas. They're paying off Hezbollah. Yep. And every time, because Iran, and then the question becomes, why did this particular attack come at this particular time? And it came at this particular time because Saudi Arabia was about to sign accords to recognize Israel as an official Middle Eastern state. And Iran doesn't want that. They want to kill off all the Jews. Yep. They are they are the Hitler of this regime. They are the most evil fucking empire you could imagine. And that's what they're doing. And so I would argue that it would that it is neither Israel's fault nor Palestine's fault that they can't come to a solution because basically every time they really get close, Iran pays off some assassins to come in and fuck everything up. Yeah, but you've also got the Netanyahu government right now. Well and Netanyahu Yes, please. <coughs> yeah, Netanyahu's an ass. He's he's their strong man. They're extreme nationalists, racist Zionists. They're bad news. Bad, 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 bad. And look, before this war happened, you had all of Israel pro I mean not all of Israel, but the majority of Israel protesting against the Netanyahu government. Mm -hmm. This nationalist right wing dangerous right wing government. Which is great. Like I love seeing that. Because yeah, this proves my point of like what I've learned, like, oh, Israel's not a country of hateful. We're not. They're not all MAGA. Just like or, like just like America's not exactly. all MAGA. Yeah, yeah. There's there. You know, he is. He is definitely. And again, looking at the prime ministers that Israel's had over the years since 1948, he's an outlier in that he really is sort of their Donald Trump. I mean, Ben Gurion was kind of. Yeah, he was a little bit. If, if, Netanyahu, if Netanyahu is. is Israel's Donald Trump, Ben Gurion was Israel's Ronald Reagan. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But he was much more likable, but he was still doing some pretty got, hateful. You've got Sharon. Yeah. I mean, goddamn, he was he was a he was a prince among men. That guy was I mean, when he had to go when he gave Gaza back the land for peace thing mm -hmm. and had to tell the Israel the, the Israelis they had to get the fuck out, he went personally to tell them. Yeah. I mean, this guy was he was the kind of person that we all want to be. Not all of me, so so that's I guess that's what I look at it is is yeah it's a terrible situation. One thing that our tour guide kept saying to us when he was giving us the tour, you yeah, know, yeah. spent a lot of time on that bus. He um, was saying that like those Palestinian leaders that preached peace would quickly be assassinated. Mm -hmm. It just peace is not something. He's like peace talks of peace get you in trouble out here. Mm -hmm. So I've been reading this book the six day or six days of war about the six day war yeah yeah i talk about that when we talk about israel which lays out like the modern um 1967 when they had the six day war that created the modern middle east that we're dealing with today it's really interesting yeah and you know hamas can of course go fuck itself a thousand different ways like hamas needs to go they are oh, yeah they, they are the al-qaeda of Palestine. It's the worst thing. I, I mean, I don't, I, again, I don't know how much of anything at this point on the internet is true. 
Um, I made the I made the comment to my mom the other day is that because looking at all the disinformation, all the bullshit, some of it has to be true. What I realized was, you know, there's there was a period in time in this country where if you wanted news of the outside world, you had to wait months after whatever happened happened. You know, whatever happened, like it'd be like you know, like you know what, like the Revolutionary War, they had yeah. to wait months just to find out what the fuck was going on. Yeah. And so they were living, I would say, in the dark. We now have a very different perspective yeah. in that we have more information and more people able to communicate to each other at the drop of a hat than any, play, any time in history. And there's so much that we're still in the dark because we can't even determine what's real and what's not real. What it reminded me of was, I was, I was doing a little bit of reading on the... Uh, I heard this on a podcast, and so I went, all right, I got I to gotta read about this a little bit, about the printing press and when the printing press came out. And what you think about when you think about the printing press is, oh, my God, it was a universal good. The fact is, for about 40 years, it caused massive bloodshed and turmoil because all of a sudden you doubled and then at some point tripled the number of people that could actually read. Yeah. And that fucked everything up because those people in power did not want them to read. Knowledge is power. Yeah. And power and threatens so, power. And so, you know, and, and eventually things evened out and, and, and the world decided to view the printing press and books as a tool and it evened out. I think we're kind of in that chaotic place right now when it comes to the internet where we thought it was really cool at first yeah. and all of a sudden billions of people could communicate and all of a sudden we realized that, you know, most people are pieces of shit. Yeah, they're kind of fucking assholes. Yeah. And now we're in that fuck place. I'd like to think, I don't think it'll happen before I die, but maybe before Harry dies, that things will even out. I hope so. You know. So what? What's interesting though is, you know, Hamas Hamas fired shots first. Terrible, 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 terrible. Of course, Israel should defend itself. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, but not. But not the whole cloth. When you're the good guy, yeah, be the good guy, and you become the bad guy by doing, by breaking international law, by committing war, obvious war crimes, using white phosphorus as a war crime, yep, attacking civilians as a war crime. Israel's doing attacking civilians with white phosphorus. Yep. This is the problem that I have with Israel. Is you know, it's like think of it this way. If some guy comes up to me and th and threatens me at a you know at a restaurant, whatever, comes in, sure. and, yeah, and I go to beat him up to defend myself, yeah, you know, he punched me in the face and I'm going to punch him back. That's one thing, and I stomped him down, and he will not punch me again. I yeah. have won that fight. Yeah, that's it. That's the end. But then if I go to his house and I start beating up his kids and his wife and his dog who didn't do anything to me, who are innocents in this. Then I'm the asshole. All right, and I'm going to back you up one. I want to. I want to. I want to adjust your. I want to adjust your analogy just a little bit. The first guy doesn't just threaten you. The first guy cuts your child's head off. I still. And then. And then. That's the thing. I guess that's what I would say is we're not Spock. We want to be Spock. We want to be logical. We want to be pragmatic. We want to be thoughtful. And that's what our leaders are supposed to be. Yeah. Because mob, mobs are passionate and they are run by emotion and they don't think straight and they're not thinking 
pragmatically. That's why you have leaders that you need to have that. When you elect leaders based on emotional basis, what you end up getting is a Netanyahu or Donald Trump. And what happens is they lead with their emotions rather than pragmatically looking at the situation. David asked me last night, he said, so what would you have Israel do? I said, honestly, I said, if Israel's goal right now is to go to war with Hamas and fucking clear Hamas out of Gaza Strip and and also at the same time protect civilians, instead of saying you have 24 hours to get out of Gaza, they say, we're here to help you get out of Gaza. Here are carriers, here are medical trucks. Here are transports. We're coming in. And if you're a civilian, we're going to have the militia. We're going to have the military there to back them up. But we're going to help relocate you to a safer place. And we're going to bomb the fuck out of this place we've got. We are going to find those motherfuckers. And if you know anything about, you know, Masada, those motherfuckers will come at, right? That's the Masada, right? That's the... The, the the Nazi hunters. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. If you think about that, they'll go 27, 30, 40 years to find the bad guy. They're yeah. going to get him. But the thing about it is if they were smart, if they were thoughtful, if they, they would, would approach it with kindness and like goodness, like exactly right now, they had babies. So you have to so they're, get they're yeah. all fury and rage. And that is an understandable thing. But that is why Netanyahu is not a good leader. Not right. because I think, not because I have a problem with his politics. Not because I have a problem with his conservative. Let's. Well, I do. I mean, I do, well, I don't live in Israel, so I go shit. But the bottom line is, that's not why I have an issue with him. Why I have an issue with him is that he has the ability to respond with great force. Yeah. And he is. And yeah. there's a better way he could approach this. And it is upon, it, unfortunately, it's upon the United States. It's upon Biden to say, dude, dude, could well, you just, how about just get them out of the way first? That's just it, is that you're creating, Israel's creating more humanitarian crises. Crises. Crises, yeah. Um, because they didn't do what you what you just said. I agree. Like, I agree. Get out. You've got 24 they're just, minutes. They're just going to make it. million people just going to leave it? Yeah. They're, Have you they're not just seen making a worse. single disaster movie? They, right. It doesn't work. So let's back up because we could talk about Israel and Palestine until our faces Well, but I just, off. I want to say this other thing. So okay. like, because like, what has changed for me yeah, to Israel? Yeah, that's what I want to get back to. Is what, what, what is a difference have, a year has made? <laughs> the other night, worked late, went and grabbed some dinner with some work friends at the gauge down on Michigan Avenue. As we're walking there, we walk past these kids, 20-somethings maybe, carrying a Palestinian flag, wearing the masks. They had shirts on that had something written in Arabic. I don't read Arabic, but they looked like they were going somewhere to start some shit. They just looked... They looked angry and ready to go. So my projection exactly. a little bit, yeah. which I found interesting as I was projecting it, so a few minutes pass, we get to the gauge, we sit down. Not two minutes later, this huge march of pro-Palestinian um, that these kids must have been going to comes down Michigan Avenue. Flags, masks, the whole thing. It looked like the kind of protests you see without all the violence in the Middle East. Yeah. And for the first time, maybe not the first time, but it was the most Jewish I've probably ever felt um, other than being at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. 
um, because it didn't feel that, that march didn't because of what's going on it didn't feel like a Palestine should have its own state which I 100% agree with it felt like a not even just an anti-Israel but an anti-Semitic march oh yeah no and I think there's and anti-Semitism is, is at an all-time high yeah it's it's higher now than maybe even in World War Two. I, I will. I mean, I, I hope mean, we won't see. But you well, know, that's what we are in a place where anti-Semitism is is ridiculous, and it, I guess that's the thing. Is again, I'm not. You know, I'm Welsh and Irish. I get drunk and fuck sheep. I don't know from Israel, but I. But what I do look at is, yeah, I mean, the Israel Israelites have been fucked over. In every place they've ever been in the history of the fucking... They have also come after people. Well, because why not? If you... That's the thing is, I look at Israel as a, as a nation state, and we talk about why they treat the Palestinians the way they do, and it's not right. However, it makes a certain amount of sense if from the minute you set up a border supported by the UN... And the winners of World War II, this fucking microsecond a border was set up, they have been under attack by everybody yeah. around them. Yes. At some point, you become motherfucking Taylor, or not Taylor, you become Chuck Heston in the Omega Man, which is like, all right, I'm fucking putting my faces yeah. up, and I'm getting my fucking gun, and if you keep coming at me, eventually I'm going to fuck you up because I'm tired of being attacked every minute. Yeah. They've been under attack since 1948. Yeah. So I'm not saying that their choices are right, but I'm saying it for my non-Jewish, non-Palestinian, I don't really have a fight in the dog in his fight perspective. I kind of get it. And, yeah. And I and I, and I can't. Well, I can say, yeah, this is wrong. What they're doing right now, and what they have done in the past, when it comes to the occupation of they've the been guys. they've been Kirk a lot they, of the time. They've been Kirk a lot of time. They've been Spock sometimes too. Yeah, but on the other hand, you know, if you're constantly at war with everybody surrounding you all the fucking time, this is what maybe it fucks your brain up a little bit, and maybe it fucks the way you approach things. This is what scares me, and this is what concerns me as a because I, I still like I I still define myself and, and see myself identify as a non-denominational recovering Jew. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I'm not practicing. I do some things. There's whatever. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> this feels like you can be anti-Israel and not be anti-Semitic. I agree. The problem is that the two things are so goddamn intertwined. Like, when you sing... I hate it. Even as a kid, it drove me insane that we would sing the Hatikva, which is the Israeli national anthem, yeah. at a religious service. I, I was never okay with that. That never, in seventh grade, 12 years old, Dude, that didn't make sense see, to me. The, the reason it makes sense to me, I understand where you're coming from, the reason it makes sense to me, at least my very thumbnail version, understanding of Israeli and Jewish history is... Haven't the Jews been looking for a homeland yes. for fucking ever? So when they finally got one, don't you think they'd say, fucking hey, let's let's sing some praise to that homeland. We finally found the place we've been wandering through the desert to find. I think you can sing a song. I don't know. I don't know. No, I, 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 I get what you're saying. But I, I think you can sing a song about how much you love Israel and how happy you are that the Jews have this place without it being the country's national anthem. 
I get an that. example. I get that. John Wayne had that stupid recording about how much he loves America. Yeah. Do you remember that like spoken word? Yeah. Not America's national anthem. No. So here's a song about how great America is without it being the national anthem. There's a difference between the national anthem and a song about how much you love a place. That's fair. That's fair. So there's God bless the USA or the Star Spangled Banner. That's that true. isn't your own yeah. in a religious service that is not about nations as much as it is about a place or a people. It just it didn't, it work, didn't for you. work for me. I've always had this problem. You know, this is not David just being like, I don't, I'm being a difficult teenager who's rejecting that. No, like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. So, this is the problem. This is why Israel becomes this Jewish, this anti-Semitism thing. Yeah. And why I've been accused of being an anti-Semite despite just not being a Zionist. Well, that's where, the problem. Here's where nuance comes in. And I know, yeah, it's, I know I'm so unpopular with my, with my focus on nuance. But there's a difference between being critical of Israel and being anti-Israel. Exactly. Being critical of Palestinians and being anti-Palestinians. Exactly. There's a difference. You can be critical of everything. You can be critical of the United States and not be anti-American. And, and I can be critical of my children and, and not hate my and, children. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're anti-American, not just critical of the United States, but anti-American, get the fuck out. And yeah. that's you know, that's, I mean, that's not a user to lose it. It's not oh, no, yeah, like, that's not where I'm coming from. Yeah, if, love it or leave it thing. No, if, if you're critical, that means you see ways to improve. If you're anti, you simply want to see it destroyed. Right. And. What concerns me about all of this, like these marches yeah. that I saw on Michigan Avenue, yeah, yeah. Um, what Hamas is doing, and what Israel's doing is, God, by Israel committing these war crimes, what they're doing is they're giving the surrounding oh, nations, like Syria, Lebanon, they're and Egypt, that have been pretty well behaved. Oh, yeah. And Iran. They're giving them the reason to come in. Because and they can justifiably go, hey, Israel's committing war, war crimes on citizens, Muslim yeah. citizens. We need to go in there and defend, just the same as America would do. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. As we're doing with Ukraine. Like, yeah. Israel's making itself the aggressor. Yeah. They need to defend themselves. They need to stop Hamas, 100%. Obviously. But they can't but commit war crimes to do it. Right to do it. Yeah, you can't commit because war crimes when, to do it. Because when Egypt and Lebanon and when those other... That's World War Three. Yeah, that is World War Three. And America's getting into it, and World War Three is bad. It's going to be really bad. It'll be really, really bad. We know that because we've seen two world wars before. Yeah, yeah it's going to be really bad. Um, and I don't know that America could win it. Well, we're going to get a big shake. And China, no, the reason and the Middle East, and America. Yeah. We don't even have a fucking. The thing is, we we're going to get our asses ourselves. We're like, going to get our asses kicked because our military can't recruit because our kids are fat and lazy. So well, <laughs> we're not going to have a military. If they did a draft. The whole fucking thing's gonna look like fucking stripes. That's yeah. what it's gonna look like. That's yeah. the whole military is gonna look like Bill Murray and a bunch of retards, and that's our military, and we're screwed. They're gonna totally kick our ass. They, I read this that the problem the military is having is that those who are physically fit are too stupid to understand the technology, and those who are smart enough to undertake the technology can barely lift a fucking spoon. So we're in trouble. And I'm not going to fucking war. I'm not going to war. You know. I mean, so I think ultimately what like changed for me this year is I think that I'm more 
prone to the idea of like real peace in there. When I was at the Western Wall, I wrote, and we talked about this, but you know, you, you put your note, yeah. your prayer. I wrote a full page. Very small writing, very dense. And ultimately it was about peace, peace in my in my heart, in my friend's heart, in my family, for my kids, for my wife, for all this. And peace for Jerusalem and peace for Israel and understanding of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I really, really want to see this part of the world mellow the fuck out because it is a beautiful part of the world. It is such an interesting point in, it's a, it's a cradle of civilization. And so many problems come out of that part of the world. And I believe that so much good can come out of that world if they would just figure it the fuck out. And I don't know that they will. And I don't know how to do it. And see, you have optimism. This, and, they and, gave me some optimism so about it. That's the, the weird thing. The difference, I, so I would say a difference in our year is that you've had a very rough year um, and you are coming out of it with optimism and a hopeful optimism for the planet, for the world. For, I'm trying to. Yeah. It's, and I have zero optimism about the planet and the world, but I have unlimited optimism about myself. And so I've, I've, I've you've wow. gone out, you've gone, you've gone from insular to outward to the world, and I have gone, fuck the world, I haven't got time for that right now because I can't help the world until I get my shit together. So let me focus on me, and that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think that I'm forcing my optimism on the world. I'm very concerned about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I'm. I'm it's, I don't know that we can do it. I don't know that. I don't think it's ever. I don't America can do it. It's been two thousand years. I'm it's not really going to get fixed. It's just I don't think it's going to get fixed. The only way it's going to get fixed is if, like, children. You separate them and put them in different rooms where they're not buttressed against each other. I don't know how yeah. to do that, but I, maybe Israel should relocate to Mexico. I don't know. I think it's less about my optimism for it, and it's I'm seeing opportunity. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Whether you're, the opportunity can be realized or not, I don't. I don't think the opportunity seeing, can be realized, but I'm seeing the opportunity. You're seeing an there. opportunity from a uh, a global stance. I'm seeing opportunity from a personal stance. Yeah. I don't know what I see personally. Yet, right? I know. Right now, you're in. I'm in a again, weird personal. Stance. You're in a very world. Again, in some ways, I wouldn't say in all ways, but in some ways, we kind of flip. Yeah. And uh, that ain't bad. I mean, you know, no, it happens. What I can say is the fact that I'm. That after a year, a year later of having no hope for myself, yeah. that I'm kind of back. I'm kind of back to who I was before, even before I met Dana. Like, I'm feeling myself. If that can happen in a year, you're in a bad place right now. I would say a year from now, you at least have the hope that you have some Wolverine emotional healing powers. Yeah. I'm curious to see where we're at in a year, if we're all still alive. Oh, I think we'll be alive. I don't know if we'll be able to record a podcast because I don't know if there'll be electrical infrastructure, Wi-Fi, yeah. or you know. But I, you know, maybe we'll do it. We'll we'll do it in a dome because it's so fucking hot that we can't live on the planet. We're just gonna all have, we're all gonna be Daryl Dixon. Yeah, there you go. We're all gonna be Daryl Dixon. And now we're sack of the news.
your first Rorschach in rhetorical questions have obvious answers. In Chicago sometimes, how does this end Neil Steinberg on the Israel-Palestine conflict? I, it, it, it doesn't end. It's just, it's like forest fires in California. It is, it is chronic, it is seasonal. Some fires are worse than others, but it's always going to be there until the big earthquake happens and California falls into the fucking ocean. That's pretty much what And then those fires said, yeah. move over to Nevada. Yep. All right. In maybe the kids aren't as smart as they surmise, they may have to look up surmise on Google. <laughs> ACT scores have slid to 30-year lows across all subjects. Uh, do you remember what you got on your ACT? Did you take the ACTs? I did. I don't remember. I didn't give a shit. I think I got a... I think the highest is a 26? Is that SAT? I thought the highest on a, a ACT was like 800. I think that's SAT was though. Apparently, I'm not as smart well, as I surmise. Yeah. <laughs> I, only, I know that I only took the ACTs in high school. Don't know why I didn't take okay. the SATs. Couldn't tell you. Maybe 2600 is, is it because I Mark I got Zuckerberg a, got all of them right. He got a 2600. Okay. I either got a 23 or a 21 on my ACT. I, don't, yeah, that's I know, I know that really the math well. blew me. Like oh, yeah. the math blew See, me. I, I, I blew the math. I did well on the math. I did well on all subjects. I didn't. I certainly didn't get a perfect score, but I know I did pretty well. Um, 30 year low. 30 year all. low on every subject, not just. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, is it a school thing? Is it a what are we eating that's making our brains dumber thing? I don't know. It's the fucking phones. Is it the phones? I think so. Because there's a lot of information that you can learn from the phones. Like, But it's Harry, wrong information. I guess you got to be careful. Like, Harry knows a lot about Gila Monster. Yeah. Because I looked up Gila Monster stuff. And then I confirmed it with a PBS television show. So there you go. You confirmed it. All right. And people can't read anyway, so who gives a shit? I'll wait for you to stop coughing. Thank you. All right, in people can't read anyway, so who gives a shit? From ProPublica, local newspapers are vanishing. How should we remember them? How should we remember them? That was the question. As fucking useful? As important? As dirty? You're dirty. Uh, God, I loved Ink Fingers. Right? Oh, I fingers just the loved best. Ink the best. Um, uh, how should we remember? It's necessary. I, I yeah, All we right. need to remember them as an absolute pivotal point of of knowledge and understanding of your community. I think it's a big problem, and I'm one hundred percent guilty of it. My go-to for news is all the national stuff. Before I'm like, oh wait, shit, I need to focus on. What's going on in my neighborhood or my fucking city? See, that's why. That's or my why, state. That's one of. That's why Block Shop is it Block Club Chicago? Block Club Chicago is so good. That's why I subscribe to them. Same. So yep. that I know. And unfortunately, Wichita doesn't really have a lot of that. So whatever. Yeah. In. But will they really come if someone builds it? <laughs> Support for a third political party is at a decade high in the United States at sixty-three percent of registered voters. I think they will. Um, I might be. I mean, I don't. I kind of avoid parties, but you know, the Democratic Republican two-party system has is it's broken the standard. 
longer than any other standard in American political party history. We changed parties, shit popped up, the Whigs, the Republican changing, like, Lincoln was a... The party of Lincoln is not the party of Lincoln today. Like, we know that. Um, I think it's time. I think that that... I think that they will come if it's built. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to vote third... I'm going to vote for a third party. All right. In... Do giant silicone tits make you stupid? Yeah. Mia Khalifa dropped from Playboy podcasting deal after Israel-Palestine comments. She's very, very pro-Hamas. Um, yeah. Mia Khalil. We covered her in one of the podcasts, so that's why I thought it'd be Mia Khalil. Mia Khalil is the shock jock of porn. Like, and I find her, I find her very boring because she's so obvious and like at first it was like oh that's wow cool but then it's just like eh, okay it's like when Sarah Silverman for a while was like okay you're talking about your vagina again I get it yeah, where's yeah. the joke Sarah Silverman like I, I love she's funny I think she's very funny like, she but found she kind of but there was that moment thing, yeah. she was just like beating the same drum and it's like yeah. okay fine um yeah fucking if, if I, I drop her from all the shit and you know if it was an Israeli doing the same thing and shitting on fucking Palestine drop her ass too there you go yeah fuck me clue you're boring you're not that cute fuck off and finally in calling a spade a Wait, spade finally that was six headlines yeah. wow oh yeah it, finally in calling a spade a spade yeah. or not BBC gets backlash for not calling Hamas terrorists in coverage of Israel attacks. Yeah, there's I, I've seen that that BBC even um, I think NPR was catching some stuff over the way militants. Yeah, over the way that they're discussing <laughs> this is the problem with the, the the Middle East issue, the Israel-Palestinian issue, is you cannot be critical one way or the other without being extremely critical of the other side. You can't call Hamas uh, terrorists, which they are, Yeah. Um, because that looks bad for Palestinians. But it's not. No, these are not Palestinians. And that's the problem. Like, yeah. call, the fuck, call Hamas terrorists and call Israel war criminals. There you go. Done. It's what they are. A hundred percent. of the week to ponder as you consider life for pressing sources. My quote of the week, despite the whole, oh, David's a little more positive. Yeah, and, and David is not at all self-serving or self-promoting in any way, shape, or form. It just makes sense. All right, there you go. So on... Tuesday, on the 17th of October, we so have... tomorrow. As of when this podcast drops, yeah, yep. tomorrow. We will be doing a reading and a book launch-ish? Ish. Of three new books from Literate Press. We are doing the um, I Didn't Marry a Prostitute by Don Hall, The Scene of the End of the World by Don Hall, and Hope Idiotic by David Himmel. So this is from the epigraph of Hope Idiotic. 
It was by Frederick Nietzsche, a philosopher you may have heard so of. It's not your quote. Good. That, you pulled out the book and I thought, ah, oh, no, shit. No. You're going to quote yourself. <laughs> Hope, in reality, is the worst of all evils because it prolongs the torments of man. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of... Because I... I agree, um, but I have a funnier perspective on it, and it comes from Norm MacDonald. Um, his perspective is, he does a bit where he's like, I never understand it when people say, he committed suicide. Why would he do that? He said, have you lived life? Wherever, you know, and then he describes it in his Norm MacDonald way. Basically, it's a series of great disappointments followed by a tragic end. Yeah. Why wouldn't you commit suicide? Yeah. He said, it's amazing anybody stays alive. And so I think there's a funnier way of... Nietzsche wasn't a great stand-up. No, Nietzsche was not a great stand-up. Yeah. Nietzsche was the seed of an idea for a stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> if all stand-ups are depressants, Nietzsche was the moment, the seed, the germination. And then the stand-up was able to take that and make it funny. There you go. Yeah. But no, I agree with that. It's, it's you know, and well, given that all three books, we call the evening tomorrow night, Loving Las Vegas mainly because they all three start, at least start, in Las Vegas. And, uh, and I, you know, I always think that uh, gambling is like buying hope. And, if hope. and if hope can be bought, it's a cheap commodity. There are six things you should do this week. My first thing this week is a watch. Remember the whole GameStop uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. trade thing? So there's a movie out now called Dumb Money, which is about... Is this Paul Dano? Paul Dano. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who else is in it? Um, yeah. Paul Dano, Pete Davidson, Vincent D'Onofrio, America Ferreira, uh, Nick Offerman, okay. Seth yeah. Rogen, yeah. Sebastian Stan... Clancy Brown, like it's, it's Shailene Woodley. It's what Donnie Smith would call a stacked cast. It's a stacked cast. And it's all about like the fucking idiocy of the stock market and how it is all bullshit and exactly what we say it is. It's all made up. It's and it's 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 it's, it's funny. It's um it's a little cacophonous and echo chambery and yeah. um confirmation bias and how fucking stupid you know like yeah invest do all that stuff play the game but realize how the fuck it that it's a fucking game and we can change the rules at any time but it is just how fucking stupid it all is you know like that's the the takeaway from this movie but it's really funny it's really interesting where do you find it uh it's in theaters okay it's in theaters right now yeah all right my first thing is also watch you can find this on showtime William Friedkin died uh, in August, but not before he filmed uh, like the 900th adaptation of Herman Waltz, The Kane Mutiny Court Martial. Um, and I've seen it, and I love my, I love my fucking courtroom dramas. I love them. Yeah. Um, and this is Kiefer Sutherland as Queen, and it is really fucking good. Not only is it good, one of the things that I will say that I really liked is because the whole goddamn thing takes place in one room. They don't do flashbacks to the actual mutiny. You don't see boats. It's just a courtroom. What is this called? The Kane Mutiny Court Martial. And 
it's an old, I mean, uh, in, I, I think it was in the 50s, Humphrey Bogart played Queen. But basically, it's about a, a, a mutiny, and they're court-martialing the guy, the first officer, the executive officer, who mutiny against the captain, but the captain's fucking crazy. Yeah. And so they have to kind of get that out. Anyway, what I love about what Friedkin did is it's not flashy, it's really subtle. But like in the beginning, it's very wide-angle, he lets you just see the room. Like, for the first half of the movie, the camera angles are very stagnant. It, I mean, it still looks good, but it's just like... Not, and then as things get hairier, and Kiefer Sutherland, his queen, gets nuttier and nuttier, the camera starts coming in and switching angles oh, a little bit, okay. and getting really close up on things. And if you're not paying attention to that kind of stuff, all you know is you start to get itchy. You just get itchy. It's really great filmmaking. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Kane, Mutiny, Court Martial, and Showtime. Um, my next thing, I've, I've got a lot of things this week, and I'm, I'm now debating on what I want to suggest. I was going to say, I was going to give a read. So what you're going to do is you're going to do all your things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. Uh, what are you gonna do that you're not I'm doing? Gonna do a read in the Atlantic. Israel is walking into a trap, but we kind of discussed. Kind of discussed that, yeah. So instead, I'm gonna make it a watch and say, "Watch Weird," the Al Yankovic. <laughs> yes, yeah. I watched that last night with Rory Zach. I went over to his house and hung out. Watched that. What a great fucking movie! It is so funny. It is um, Daniel Radcliffe. Is incredible. He's amazing. Yeah. Rachel Wood as Madonna is incredible. Amazing. Um, Al Yankovic is is yeah as the, the suit like is Al Yankovic. He just yeah. God, it is. And you forget. I don't know if you forget, but like I was, I was politely or wonderfully reminded of how Im um, I, what's the word? How. In, prolific? Not prolific. How? Uh, Weird Al was such a part, like a constant was, of, of was, my childhood. Yeah, he was a big. Like he was always. He was everywhere. The eighties, like we yeah. think about Prince, Madonna, Michael Jackson, and Weird Edith. Al. Weird Al is right there. Yeah, yeah. And Arnold Schwarzenegger's right. Yeah. Like these, like these people. He's an icon. That was just there. He's iconic. Yeah. And and Weird Al never really went away. No. Also, to that point, like, the best part about the movie is, like, it doesn't last any longer than 1985. That's as far into the, into, like, yeah. time that it goes. But yet you have him, like, rapping Amish Paradise, which was, like, 1995 or 96. Yeah, yeah. Well, you understand that that very little of that movie is true. Oh, none of it is. I know. That's it's like there's some basis for truth. It's a parody. But it's, it's a parody of him. Yes, it's, it's so smart. Parody. It's so goddamn smart. It's so, it's so much fun. Al. It is beautiful in that. Yeah, like, it, and it's just so much fun. So yeah. All right. My my second thing is also watch. Not as enjoyable as weird, but it surprised me. And because it surprised me, I have to recommend it. It's not the greatest thing I've ever seen. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called Totally Killer. Okay. And it is basically... Okay, if you go you go to Back to the Future... 
Yeah. It's a 1985 parody of 1950s. Okay. He goes back in time and he's got to change the future. And so you get to see all these, this sort of like very uh, satirical look at kids in the 50s. Yeah. Totally Killer is about a young Gen Alpha. Because that's what the new Gen Z is. But Gen Alpha is like born in 2012. I don't know what it is. So like Jacob and Harry are Gen Alphas? Yeah. They're Gen Alpha. But she's like, well, she's like a junior in high school in 2023, whatever that means. I can't remember the name of the actress. You've seen her before. Super charming. But her mother gets murdered by uh, a serial killer that was a serial killer in, 19, in 30, like 35 years ago in 1987. And her best friend invents a time machine. And she goes back in time to solve the murder so her mom doesn't get killed. It's like Back to the Future with a serial killer angle, angle and it's making fun of us Yeah. when we were kids. Okay. One of my favorite lines is, I, well, like little moments like, she's suddenly 2023 in 1987, and she's in this park, and this guy walks up to her with his girlfriend, and he's wearing FBI female boob inspector. Oh, female boob inspector? Yeah. yeah. And, her first word, she looks at him and she goes, your shirt is very problematic. Yeah. I goes, fucking A. And you know? Yeah. And then at one point, like, the guy, one of the guys in the cohort is like, you know, I'm drinking, I'm drinking. She goes, you're not supposed to drink and drive. He goes, I drive better when I drink. Yeah. And at one point, he's like, hey, I drove really well. And I'm two bottles in. It's like, it's yeah. just like this parody of 1980s. It's so much fun. It's not deep, it's not, but it's funny, and I really enjoyed it. What's funny about that is we watched um, E.T. yesterday with, okay. with the boys, and there's, I think we talked about Bluey, the, the Australian kids yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. There's an episode of Bluey where their dad is t- telling this story about he and his brothers and whatever, and he was like, oh, it was the 80s, and this like that's this whole thing, yeah. like, the through line of the show, of that episode, is like, it was the 80s, things were different, you know, you could do this, you couldn't do that, whatever. Kids playing on their own. Ah, it was the 80s. So this has kind of become like a thing in our household. Like Harry will say, ah, it was the 80s and whatever. But E.T., it's so funny. So I'm sitting there with Katie, we're it's watching so it. It's so 80s. The way that she like, when, when Elliot stays home from school. Yeah. And she's, mom, Elliot's 10 years old in this movie. Yeah. And the mom is like, all right, I got to go to work. No TV. And just like leaves him. Katie like looks at me and I was like, it, it was, was the, the 80s. 80s. Dude, and then she later leaves Gertie at home alone. Gertie's like five. You can't leave Harry alone. We'd be arrested. In, in like, Totally Killer, there's a scene, and it rings very true. She decides she's going to be a foreign exchange student from Canada. Okay. Because she's got to go find her mom yeah. as a kid. And she goes into the secretary, who's reading a fucking Harlequin romance, and says, yeah, I'm a foreign exchange student. Mine makes up her name. And I, and I don't really have any paperwork. And the woman says, look great. Says, what? What great? 11th grade. She says, there's your schedule. You're in that class. She goes, that's all I have to do? Yeah. And it's like, and it's a great, it's like, yeah. It's the 80s. It's the 80s. It's the 80s. Yeah. All right. Uh, my next thing is a, is a watch. I, I need to finish it. I started watching it last night, then I fell asleep. I'm trying to get more into, like, Halloween, like, Scary. I'm not good at horror films. Yeah, Donnie Smith is all about horror films. So I'm so looking yeah. for like scary films that aren't like creepy horror. So 
Last weekend, I watched The Lost Boys. Great, great movie. And I'm not sure if it was for the first time ever. Wow. Or the first time, like, since 1987 or 88 when I it, like, saw it came out. Theaters, man. Yeah. Um, Lost Boys is great. It's a great movie, yeah. Um, but my watch is, this came out, I think this year? Renfield? Yes. <laughs> Where Nick Cage plays Dracula. Yes. And uh, what's his face? Um, Nicholas Holt plays his assistant. And, and Aquafina's in it. Aquafina's yeah. yeah. Um, what a fun, stupid, great movie. Um, so I'm excited to go back and finish watching it oh, yeah. when I don't fall Very asleep. Fun. And happy Halloween for those who celebrate. And my final thing, because I didn't want it to all be watches, is a read. It is in eater.com. Eater? Eater.com. Who's, who's afraid of a spatchcocked chicken? Who's afraid of a spatch? Spatchcocked chicken. Okay. What it is, it's an American woman who is examining why other countries, like if 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 you go to if you go to, you know, thank you. It, here it's called pork. In other countries it's just called pig flesh. Okay. And how our 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 animals come from English but our our, our menus come from French. And it's sort of like one of the uh. and and why we end up uh, sort of uh, uh, it's why we sort of uh, uh, we've managed to outlanguage ourselves by covering up the fact that we're actually eating living things. Yeah, and it's a really interesting question. Is that Americans have a real problem with actual words? Like if I if I said like if I said we just had breakfast, and I just said. Well, I had a, I had a uh, pig side. I, yeah, well, I had, I had, I had a bunch of uh, baby chicken fetuses. Well, they're not fetuses; they're unfertilized. Unfertilized chicken fetuses, and uh, some, uh, some, some pig flesh. That would be more accurate if you were say in Thailand. Yeah. But here, it's got to be bacon. Yeah, bacon and eggs. And an omelet. Yeah. Um, but it's a really interesting... The thing is, I want you to read it because it's funny as shit. All right. And it's in... The Eater.com. Eater. Yes. Believe it or not, I find crazy shit to read. Not all from the Atlantic. <laughs> um, sorry, I just got a text from Katie. Harry has these stuffies, like these sloths that he's had for since before he was born. We've sure. Been, and he's had several over the years because we bought them so we could wash one. There was always one ready for him. Well, one, Katie's doing laundry, apparently, and one's head just came apart. And they don't <laughs> sell them anymore. Ah. And he's still kind of attached. Yeah. He likes collecting. He has, like, different names for them all. That. It's whatever. Anyway, you can edit this out. Yeah, yeah. No, um, leave it in. Why not? It's fun. All right. Well, uh, so here's here's a quick. I have one more. Oh, okay. Do you just what's what's funny about the the, the language thing? Um, when you start dating again, I want you to try this line out. How do you like your eggs in the morning? 
scrambled, omelet, or fertilized? <laughs> just let me know how that... Because I've always thought that's such a funny thing to I, say. I'm going to do that. It's scripted. It's like... I'm going to fertilize your thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's just... It's funny to me. That's um, very funny. So, quick story about, like, the language of what we call things in our food. When I was in Canada a couple years ago, Kate and I were up in Canada, and... On the menu, I kept seeing, like, we'd go out for breakfast, and I would see things on the menu, this thing called pea meal. P-E-A space M-E-A-L. Didn't know what it was. Didn't bother to use my phone to Google it. So I'm at brunch with Katie with breakfast one morning, and I asked the server, I was like, so what is, what is pea meal? And she closes her eyes and takes a deep breath. Because it's been asked a billion times. And says, "It's it's what you probably call Canadian bacon." <laughs> and I died a thousand oh, deaths. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, "Okay, then I will take two eggs over easy with Canadian bacon and rye toast or whatever." You yeah, know. yeah, 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 yeah. And I was just like, "Oh my god, it feels so fuck like." Yeah, like just the same as like it. I haven't felt more Jewish than when I saw a fucking there you go. fucking Michigan Avenue march of yeah. you know anti Semites. In Chicago, I never felt more American than when I had to ask a Canadian person, what is pea meal? And I never felt more American, and this is also, a, a, it was the 80s. Have you ever had a Vegemite sandwich? Of course, I have Vegemite in my house. It's the most horrible fucking thing. Oh my it. God. It's Less like, is more with Vegemite. No, it's like eating, you just you know, spread it's, it like on eating real it's like getting in a garbage can and saying, hey, where's some rotten vegetation? Let me spread it on a piece of bread. It is an acquired it's taste. I give horrible. it to you. I did it's not like horrible. it as a kid. When I went to I Australia. It. In Australia, it was I the worst thing. It. I, I've got a jar of it at home. I always have a jar of it. I come for the land that is all right. Yeah. All right. So our next episode, next week, we're actually recording tomorrow night. No, you've how many fucking things do you have? Five, seven. Money. You've done four. You've done four things already. I did. I did. I did my things. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm good. I know. Okay. You lost your mind? Yes. Okay. I have. So our next episode is going to be a live broadcast of Loving Las Vegas at the Haymarket Pub and Brewery in Chicago, Illinois. It will feature. Uh, a Q&A about publishing and about our specific books by David and I, and also readings by David, me, Joe James, M.T. Cazola, and Heather Bodie from Chicago. So uh, clue in. It won't be your normal thing. We won't have a quote of the week. We won't have Rorschach, but we will have readings from our books. And if you're in Chicago or in the area at all, swing on by. Make the drive. Come on by. It'll be a lot of fun. You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on literateape.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you go to get that delicious podcast experience. If you enjoy the dulcet sounds of two white guys babbling about whatever comes into their stunted brains, leave us a review anywhere that, you know, re reviews are left. And share it with someone whom which you have a dubious relationship. For information about Literate Ape, Go to literateape.com, of course, and check out the rest of our podcasts and our years of scribbling. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.
Ah, 